Wait, did you watch? Did you already watch this? You trade? No, no, okay. don't panic. Okay. okay. I just actually formed memories about this show, <laughs> sort of. I can go into it when the theme song plays now. Welcome to Your Inner Child's an Idiot, the podcast where we look back on things from our childhood and see if they're any good. My name is DJ. And my name is Damon. Hello. Damon, you're looking very fit, like you've been watching He-Man and training so that you have <laughs> the pectoral muscles, the six-pack muscles. I'm sure those have a name. I think they're called six-packs. Mm -hmm. They're called six-packs. I even had my nipples removed surgically so I yeah. could be more like He-Man. You want to get those kids can't be looking at nips. No, that would be a bridge too far. But otherwise, this S&M cartoon should go over well. <laughs> if you haven't guessed, we're watching He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, right? You've got to say the full title. Is that the full title? I mean, I remember the toys had Masters of the Universe, but I always called it He-Man. Um, yeah. I guess I it kid, is. We all just called it He-Man, but I think it's called He-Man and the Masters of the Universe. And then the movie, which I don't really have strong memories of was i think just called masters of the universe i remember seeing the movie and i remember being very confused because i mean it was one of those i like mean not sexually. to get too much into it sexually confused uh, yes i mean you can Let's say that about say, anything even watching animaniacs i was sexually confused <laughs> um why is brain's head so big um <laughs> but in masters of the universe they don't spend much time in the He-Man land, they spend most of the time in 1980s New York, which was a, sh a thing in fucking mm. 80s movies, especially adapted things where it's like, I can't afford to build an attorney and a Castle right, Grayskull. Yeah. What if we just go to Vancouver, claim it's New York, and call it a day? It was basically a worse Crocodile Dundee is what I'm imagining. <laughs> Everyone's Crocodile Dundeeing. Um, like, crocodile Dundee 2, mind you. What's the sword for? It's for washing your backside. I hope not. Adam. No. Adam. Adam. That's his name, right? Adam. No, Prince That's Adam. his like. Prince, Prince Adam. Adam. Put, his, put respect on his name. You're absolutely right. I forgot the title. Did you watch this like as a kid? The cartoon? Um, this is a show where I can tell you that I watched it every day. Uh, I owned yeah. so many toys. I had Castle yeah. Grayskull. I had some sort of little skeleton thing um, where the ribs like... They came out from the skeleton and they formed like a, almost like a little Lego man's U and you could stick the action fingers into the ribs and it was some sort of like traveling Oh yeah. Thing, yeah I had like that a too, sort of omnibus of Eternia. Yeah. Um that being said, despite this being one of the core pieces of my childhood, I have almost no memories of He-Man, what He-Man was about, why was Skeletor so mad at everyone, but <laughs> what, enjoying himself so much. In fact, most of, my most of my knowledge of He-Man comes from the fact that I recently did a drawing about He-Man for like a series I was doing with another artist on Instagram at Zach Morissette or Zaxploitation. Um, and that was, that it was like, oh yeah, I kind of remember this lady who had a sort of cobra a yeah. cowl yeah, that yeah. she wore. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, I kind of remember Evelyn. Uh, oh, I guess the land they lived in was Eternia. Okay. Uh, it was all, it wasn't even memories flooding back. I was like, that must be right. That's what this article says. Right. 
Yeah, no, I have, I have the exact same situation where I, I it was a huge part of my, ch- my childhood. Like I remember watching the cartoon all the time. I would have said that was my favorite cartoon, but it was like right before the Ninja Turtles phase for me, uh, right before, um, I guess it would have been around the same, t- same time as G.I. Joe, but I wasn't as into G.I. Joe, I think. Mm-hmm. And this was maybe a little bit before that too. Uh, and I had also apparently I- right before our brains started creating long-term yeah. memories. Well, it's like it had no impact what exactly we were watching. It was just like, that was cool. That's a cool sword. That guy's got a skeleton face into that. He's like, got a skeleton face, but he's, <laughs> Pro really skeleton mus- face. but he's really muscular. This is weird. When you think about it too much, don't worry about it. But I have a strong memory, which is obviously not so much a memory as there was a videotape of it. And that is, <laughs> so <laughs> my dad used to make us do these like, he would, you know, he was the video camera guy in our mm. family and like not just our immediate family, but like in the, our branch of the family. So he would always be the one that had the camera and they'd be like, oh great, here come, here he comes. And then, but of course it's super great later because you can watch all this, uh, this crazy footage and my, he would make us, my, my sisters and I do these like news programs <laughs> and mm-hmm. in theory it sounds really fun, but none of us wanted to do it. Oh. And so... <laughs> It was more like he's like, "This will be fun," and we were all like, "I don't really want to do this." And then we kind of wanted to do it, and then we don't. Fun, yeah. Fun can only be identified after the fact. You can't pre-identify fun. I don't know. If At it least was just that's like, my rule. Like that sounds like a blast to me now, which just means I am older than my dad was then. <laughs> so uh, my sisters would do like this news program. They were quite a bit older than me. I was probably like, especially for that age, I was probably like six, maybe even five at this time. So like really did not have the comedic chops to be doing he-man commercials which was my role is that in between the segments yeah, you got to work the clubs for a few years before you start doing fake yeah, commercials for he-man I hadn't worked your dad should have known that I got you to the comedy store yet. the laugh factory just really work in front of a crowd that I mean, live you, audience is the best mm-hmm. feedback you're gonna get when you start you just got to get up every time you can get up you know mm-hmm. um but it, we have this footage of of like this this news segment and then we cut to me sitting on like the hearth and just with my basket <laughs> like a of, newscaster would be just like this is the commercial and i just had like my basket of he-man <laughs> toys and i'm like holding one and then he's like what's that guy and i'm like i don't know like <laughs> like not into it it's uh it's adorable in retrospect and also i'm like you're fucking terrible at this dj uh that is very charming uh, in regards to your dad, not you. You sounded like uh, you were no, just, just dead air. Terrible. Garbage child. Yeah, garbage. Don't That's start talking unless you got something. That's what your dad should have said. <laughs> the whose cut, line is it anyway cut. rules. Don't start if you don't have something yet. This was also before <laughs> editing was invented. So he could have probably chopped it up into something good, but wow. it was not possible. They, <laughs> they didn't allow it. You know, time. a film really comes together in the editing room, and your dad should have known that too. Um <laughs> I am also having a memory, uh, a sense memory, (laughs) that I had some sort of, I feel like I have harder, don't say harder, I have more concrete (laughs) memories of the toys themselves rather than the show. And I think uh, at one point for Christmas, I got some sort of slime mechanism. And it was essentially this like archway, like it was probably like a foot tall. And it had like a cup at the top that 
you could put green slime, oh, He-Man yeah, branded green this. slime. Yeah. And then you'd put like one of your characters underneath it and basically you just flip the cup over. Slime he gets slimed. That slime got into the cupboard where we kept our VHS tapes. Oh no. So every time we opened it for the next 20 years, there was this big crusty hardened piece of green <laughs> plastic uh, in there f- for the rest of our days. I'll be buried in that cabinet with a piece of plasticine green slime. So also there were some characters in the He-Man set that had like a, almost like a peach fuzz fur to them. Yes. And that slime doesn't come out as well on the peach yeah, fuzz fur. Yeah. They didn't really think about that combo. Or they did. And they were like, kids, get your parents to buy you another beast man. Gotta buy another one. Was this one where they had the toys first? And yes. then this okay. is a Transformers situation. I only okay. know that again because of the toys that made us on Netflix. Right. I think we right. watched an episode now of that. Now show on Netflix. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think they had an episode on He Man and they literally created the toys. And then they were like, I don't know. They could live in a place called Eternia. Go with it. Evelyn, sure, whatever. I got this skeleton head that doesn't go with a toy. Just put it on a muscle man. And paint it purple. Skeletor, done. Here's your villain. I think, you know, like, kids are always somewhat idiots because their brains aren't fully formed. But, like, we were really idiots. Because they were, like, these fuckers were so <laughs> cynical. Because they, they, would, they would just, like, be like, you know, literally the product first. And then they're like, I don't know. Make it flash on the screen. <laughs> And, Get some uh, really shitty animation going where yeah. they're just running in front of a, a rotating background for like three minutes straight. Listen, lowest bid wins the work. Let's do this. <laughs> and and we ate it up. That's the worst thing. The worst thing isn't that they did this. Of course, it's capitalism. Go for it. But it's us, the dumb children. <laughs> it was our fault. Yeah. I'm not expecting this to be good. How about you? I, I think it's going to be No, I, I imagine this will be just low-rent crap. I am... Kind of part of the reason that I wanted to do this now is that I am looking forward to doing the watching the new Heman that just came out. Uh, yeah, and I feel like we because we have a podcast where we talk about things we want to. We owe it to ourselves. We owe it to the audience, sure, the listening public to to review this, but then also to have people pay to hear us review the new thing by being a Patreon. Patreon.com. <laughs> <laughs> It's the right thing to do. And it's capitalism. Yeah. In the spirit of He-Man, let's just put out a bunch <laughs> of like cheap crap and see what people will buy. Anyway, you know, become a patron uh, for at uh, idiot.com. Speaking know, of that, we'll be right back after this message from us about us. You'll never support a podcast that you like on Patreon. That's where you're wrong, Skeletor. I'm currently typing in the domain name for your inner child's an idiot.com. No! <laughs> um, we have a voicemail from uh, our patron, Vincent, and we're going to uh, listen to what he has to say real quick. Hi, DJ and Damon. Good afternoon. My name is Vincent, and I'm a long-time listener. It's my first-time caller. I just wanted to call and say something about my so-called life. This was something that was really important to me and my friends our last year of high school. It really spoke to our underrepresented, white, upper-class teenage ennui, and we were all in love with Claire Danes. 
And after the show was canceled after one season, we desperately saved every episode to VHS. And since this was in the time before the Internet, we wrote letters on paper with stamps, letting the network know that they couldn't cancel MSCL, or how else would we get to see Claire Danes, or find out what happened when Rayan actually finally OD'd for real. Obviously, the networks didn't listen to our well-reasoned arguments that the Nielsen ratings weren't capturing our massive heterosexual teenage male demographic. Later in college, I attempted to rewatch these coveted VHS cassettes, and I found my so-called life unbearable. It was what you get when writers who've never experienced homelessness, discrimination, child abuse, broken marriages, what they imagine those experiences are like through the, the privileged suburban lens. So the verdict, my inner child was an idiot. It took leaving the comfort of my childhood home to realize what even those out-of-touch TV execs knew. The market for gritty pablum was only ankle deep. The second twister, at Damon is correct, other than Helen Hunt's shower scene, which the two of you were too gentlemanly to mention, and the finale with the F5, uh, this movie was immemorable. And maybe I'm a terrible person, but when I watched this movie for the first time and Joe's dad was sucked out into the storm while grasping the basement door, I laughed out loud. And finally... Guys, I know it was a bit, but uh, PSA, if you are ever actually in an earthquake, please don't run into a closet. Thank you for brightening my days with your humor. I look forward to future apps. You may air this if you want. The favorite cookies are oatmeal raisin. Have a great day, guys. Take care. Thank you very much, Vincent. I really appreciate the message. And uh, I, I really appreciate the information about your earthquakes um, because <laughs> I was told to uh, beseech the heavens, uh, go outside at all, at all costs, Thru, you know, thrust yourself upon the ground, pound it, and beseech God for help. That was what I was told. But I'm, I'm from Ohio, so what do yeah, I Yeah, that's true. It's public schooling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was told to kill a goat. And hope that the smoke reaches Mount Olympus. <laughs> I don't have anything to add to his because I feel like he 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 said what he needed to say. I'm no, he I mean he brought up some good points, and I mean we we talked about the awkward and frank take that uh, Claire Danes has um, in the thing, which I think is very akin to the the other points you've made about um, a very uh, someone someone who's never experienced homelessness or, or any of those other problems doing some hot takes on it. Uh, that was an awkward part that does not age well. Um, but I think overall, I think I think we were right. And Vincent was wrong. That's how I'm going to phrase it. <laughs> it's almost like you can have different opinions on these things. <laughs> no. <laughs> we really appreciate it, Vincent. If you want to leave a message like him, 615-576-0525. And we are back. We watched a uh, tranche of He-Man episodes. <laughs> a sextet of uh, He-Man episodes. <laughs> and uh, boy, did we watch them. <laughs> we watched them and huh, we watched them. I did something that I should be doing ever since. <laughs> about uh, six years into this podcast, I've first finally started figuring out how to do things. So I actually wrote down a recap for each episode. So... I will, as much as you would like me to, I'm ready to recap. No, I'm going to light a J. Go ahead. 
Okay, so we started with, obviously, season one, episode one. By the way, are there only two seasons of this? Yeah, but I mean, I think that's pretty, because I remember when we did Tiny Toons, like, I think it's very there's common like to do. There's like episodes. Yeah, there's 65 yeah. episodes in season one, 65 yeah. episodes, so they can just run them into syndication, into into the fucking ground, like lunatics. And then we're like, uh, we're out of here. I think Deuces. there is some contest on whether this is actually episode one. I think it's the first in production, 20th to air. This one. Oh, what was the first to air? I did take a look after realizing there may be some uh, episode number confusion. I watched the Diamond of Disappearance, which is the first aired episode, uh, okay. thinking, oh, this is probably where they established the mythos and all the characters' relationships sure, with each right. other. Uh, all I can say, DJ, is don't worry about it. Okay, You got as much uh, information I, <laughs> as you would have gotten watching episode one. Uh, I kind of figured one. that. Well, we'll get into that. So- this is uh, at least what's marked as season one, episode one, The Cosmic Comet. Skeletor uh, harnesses the power of the Cosmic Comet and tries to destroy <laughs> as opposed Captain opposed to Grayskull. a non-Cosmic Comet, which is know, also like, known as a rock. You could just say Comet. <laughs> An ice uh, snowball. <laughs> he harnesses the power of the Cosmic Comet and tries to destroy Castle Grayskull to rule Eternia. Which I don't think we need to explain. It's one plus one equals two. Don't worry about what either of those things are. Um, (laughs) With the help of He-Man and his friends, the wizard Azagrez recreates a second cosmic comet, which, by the way, he had already destroyed on accident, kind of causing this whole chain of events, which restores the balance and spares Eternia. Yeah, that is uh, a valuable lesson. Do you want to recap? I I don't have a lot to say about each episode, but... We can, you want to just sort of, uh, what were your thoughts on this one? Or do you want to keep on recapping? No, no, let's, let's do, I have a little bit for each thing at least. Uh, I mean, the title immediately brought me back. I I watched, well, no, just the title sequence. Oh, I see. There's, there's a very, and I think this was relatively common in, in this era of cartoon is like the, the title sequence is long and explains the premise. (laughs) Yes. And is, there's a lot of details. In it. But immediately I was like, oh, right, this. Having watched this title sequence probably hundreds of times as a, as a kid, I remembered it. Well, it's also that title sequence is uh, largely <laughs> the same. I mean, that that uh, sequence of him holding aloft uh, he Manabur, uh his sword, uh, holding it up, and then the lightning and the castle and the what have you, yeah. and Cringer turning into Battle Cat. Uh, yeah, that happens literally every episode. Um, yes. So I I don't know if I remember the theme song as much as I remember seeing this sequence of events about six hundred times in my childhood. Yeah, because they show it in the intro, but then again, at least once per episode. I mean, it's generally once per episode. Yeah. Whenever he decides to become He Man, if he's not already he does that again. It's the exact same animation. Not only is it the same thing that happens, but it's the exact same animation. So it's like, you've seen this. But uh, Just in case yeah. you tuned in four minutes late, uh, here it is again, him turning into He-Man and Battle Cat. Well, I was kind of surprised. There's a lot to remember up top. Now, he, now if you're watching multiple episodes, it kind of like, okay, I get it now. Because he explains it in the, you know, the title sequence explains it every time. But at first you're like, okay, Cringer. Okay, he becomes Battle Cat. Okay. And then there's-, there's <laughs> He grows like, slightly uh, to become battle, battle Cat. Yeah. And he's just uh, a normal guy that looks exactly the same who becomes He-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
It's you will weird. notice his Pantone colors of his skin and his hair change slightly, but are still in the same color family. Yeah. And I'm like, I he feel like people would know this. It's not like if my friend went to, you know, Destin and came back, I'd be like, yeah. who the fuck are you? Who is this? <laughs> are you Even some if they sort were... of space S&M god? Oh, it's just you, Adam. Sorry. Even if they were wearing the sort of like the thing that he, his that vest. metal chest plate thing. Yeah. Um, You'd still be like, did you get that in, Destin, or did you bring it? <laughs> I did find the the theme song oddly frustrating because it's vague on the things I need more information about and very specific about the things I don't need more information about. For example, <laughs> okay. he describes his powers as fabulous powers. And full stop. That's the that's the description of his powers. Um, and then he goes into how many people know his secret and who they are, their names, and what relationship they have with him. I'm like, I feel like that would be covered in the show, so you probably don't need to recap that literally every episode. But maybe if you could tell me what the powers of him... Oh, it's already... Oh, we're in the episode. Okay, okay th- that's the title okay. card. Okay, we're already in it. I'm talking over dialogue. Okay, sorry, my apologies. It doesn't. It doesn't seem. I mean, this is a, you know a, a superhero trope too, where it's like, what's this, what is exactly the point of the secret identity in this case? Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That is that was another uh, concern I had is why why even bother? Because he usually spends about what ninety seconds as Prince Adam before yeah. all shit breaks loose and he uh, and they're like, give him a tan and put some reverb on his voice. We gotta get <laughs> right. into action. <laughs> Uh, get him that marigold wig to replace his canary yellow wig. <laughs> Definitely something I noticed and wanted to talk about is uh, how jacked Skeletor is. And everyone, really. No, everyone is out of control. Um, they all have the same, all the men at least, uh, have the same body type. Literally, there is no there is no thin but toned man in Eternia. Everyone yeah. is just jacked beyond belief. If you are the king of Eternia, if you're Prince Adam, if you're, uh, you know, Whiplash, if you're Skeletor, a man who has no flesh on his head but has all the flesh in the world on his body, um, everyone is the exact same thing. And I think that, I mean, is because, like, oh, we can just draw the same body and just sort of change yeah. out the costume. Well, it makes character action figure, you know, which is the real point. <laughs> that is that is true. As I said in the intro, I did have a lot of Heman toys, and they all have literally the same body type, spray painted yeah. over. It's this weird body, jack jack body, and the furry underpants, boots, and just if you're Skeletor, they paint you blue. If you're <laughs> if you're He Man, they paint you orange. Um, not, but not Beastman orange. That's a different orange. No, that's a very specific orange. And he gets the peach fuzz. They dip you in like some sort of adhesive yeah. and roll you in the peach, peach fuzz. Um, yeah, I had all that garbage. I even had battle damage He-Man where you could hit him in the chest and this little thing would flip God. and it would yeah. show like a, a dent in his armor, which is not really a facet of He-Man's personality. <laughs> Did you have the van, the fucking like weird rubber band wheel van that they have? No, the mystery machine? <laughs> No, yeah, I it was basically the mystery machine, but with not like have that. not not tracks like you'd expect. No, not like, like tank actual treads. vehicles have, but they just like flip. They're like basically like elongated hula hoops on each wheel, and, and they I roll. Guess, yeah, yeah. And it feels like that will be an uh, unnervingly bumpy ride. Like that's yeah. that's not going to get you anywhere. That's why no one invented that. Like sometimes in sci-fi you're like that's cool, and sometimes in shitty sci-fi you're like, no, th- there's a reason they wouldn't do triangular yeah. wheels 
because that yeah. will be horrible. That no one wants that. That doesn't do what we've decided wheels should do. See, wheels make it a smooth ride. If I wanted to <laughs> just hop up and down, I'd just ride the fucking horse like I was just a minute ago. <laughs> they, so they something I forgot about He-Man, but you know, happened in some other cartoons of this era, like G.I. Joe, for example. There's a lesson at the end, and they <sighs> like break the fourth wall and talk to you at home and say, kind of recap what the lesson is. In this case, the wizard uh, Zagrez makes a universe ending mistake and they're all like it's cool we all make mistakes which i kind of appreciate and they're was like, it man at arms who gave us the lesson this time i think it was and he was like listen we all make huge mistakes with enormous universal consequences don't worry about it you let your friends help you out you know you, cool. uh, you, you gotta try try again that's what uh, man at arms said man yeah. of arms man at arms or man of man. war man at arms yes okay uh, I did like that. Um, however, I want to, and this will be a repeating theme. This will be a leitmotif in my um, review of this. But uh, there is not an opportunity that He-Man ever misses to take animation shortcuts. Mm-hmm. G.I. Joe, for example, did have the lessons at the end of their things, but usually it was new animation of like, oh, man, let's play with this live wire that fell off of this telephone pole. And then, you know, Sergeant Slaughter would come out and go, no, kids, don't do that. And then it was an all-new sequence. This is just, let's recap what it is, and then we're going to cut away to show you the exact thing you just watched. Just watched, Like like at the end of an 80s sitcom when it's like the uh, minor key theme song and they just show clips of what you just watched. Reminiscing, yeah, we're reminiscing Remember this 30 seconds ago? One minute ago. (laughs) <laughs> Remember when Dorothy came in and slammed the door and Rose asked her a question? Well, those were crazy times. Um, uh, so, so this is just recycled animation from earlier, which is the 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 reason that He Man exists. I noticed there was a weird um, occurrence in this that I've never caught in animation, but I'm sure it was used quite often. In these shitty. Um, animated shows, but uh, there was a lot of cutaways when someone was talking. Either the person who's speaking, the camera, quote, quote, camera is behind them, and so you just sort of see their head moving up and down, but you don't actually (laughs) have to see their lips synchronizing with the words. Or there was one scene, not in this episode, but a few episodes later, where the sorceress is in her familiar falcon form, and she's just (laughs) circling overhead and it's just a shot of a hawk circling or a falcon circling and she's talking the entire time but the hawk is is just it's like two minutes long of this shot of the the hawk just going in the same circle over and over again and it's slightly too fast like hawks wouldn't fly this fast in a circle so it becomes quite comical where i'm like what the fuck are you doing why did you make an animated show if you didn't want to animate anything and they were like, we have these toys to sell. And we're like, oh, that's, yeah. oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Do you want to talk, can we talk about uh, Zagraz real quick? Because sure. actually, this actually is counter to my point that every man in Eternia has the same body shape. Because Zagraz true. looks like he was dumped in from those Hanna-Barbera racing cartoons. Do you remember that? He looks like he's dastardly and Muttley's grimy next door neighbor. He just uh, looks like, he kind of looks like Tommy Chong. Do you all Chong. have some drugs? <laughs> he, he looks like Tommy Chong and he sounds like Edwin. So he talks like this. Uh, it's very distracting. And I was like, oh, this yeah. is fun. Is this Edwin? It was wasn't Edwin. 
It's no. just a guy doing an Edwin impression. But it is fun to hear. Uh, side note, one time I was reading the Huffington Post around when uh, Wreck-It Ralph came out, and yes. this LGBTQ uh, contributor was angry at the homophobic uh, nature of the, what was the the Sugar King or the, the King, King of Candy? Candy King, King Candy. And uh, he was Alan so Tiddick. angry that Alan Tiddick would do this uh, impression of a gay man. And I was so infuriated. I'm like, he is doing an impression of Ed Wynn, you jackass. A person who was the voice of the Mad Hatter. He was Uncle Albert and Mary Poppins. And I'm sure he was in a bunch of other shit that I'm not as familiar with. But that's what he sounded like. You got a problem with Ed Wynn? Go take it to his grave. <laughs> well, I guess that's the problem if you... If you when making a reference like that is like, uh, yeah, this person probably was not around when, <laughs> or I've never right, seen anything true. about that. And Orko is like that. We have this little like wizard sidekick Orko who's got, who's got more of the wacky, I mean, Cringer a little bit, but obviously Cringer turns more into the hardened battle cat, but like the muscly action figure characters. And then the, like the cartoony Hanna-Barbera kind of vibe. And there was like mostly the muscle bound, people but then yeah there's like orco and then there's zagraz and then uh, a couple of others as we go along that well, are just kind of like the wacky boop, 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 comic yeah cartoon. Um, cringer is very scooby-doo and yes. cringer again just like prince adam he's usually on cringer for 90 seconds and then yeah let's battle cat him up i did notice zagraz is like this and then some of the monsters in later episodes um, you can tell when it's a one-off character that will never be seen or heard from again because they are just like coasting on the character design. Like yeah. anyone who's not going to re be repeated, it's just like stick figure, fine, whatever. Like all the monsters, they all look terrible. Like all the monsters who are just in one episode, I mean, all look right. absolutely terrible, especially when they're next to these very detailed uh, character designs for He-Man. Don't get me wrong, the animation animating these characters is shit. But the actual character design is like well detailed because they know they're just going to reuse it over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but Zagraz... action figure out of it. Yeah. Zagraz looks like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon as does Cringer has a, a Scooby-Doo vibe. As do some, a lot of the, what was that weird monster with the whip hands? Ooh. What was it? Mold Maldrum? Mold Malden Salt? Mulgrum. Mulcrum, yes. Uh, a mulcrum is a simple machine. Um, you, uh, yeah, there's yeah. like something you pull. You got a lever, <laughs> a mulcrum. You've got a pulley. The next episode we watched was Tila's Quest, which is marked as season one, episode six. May I? Oh, no, by all means, because I literally formed no short term memories of these episodes. Tila decides, Tila is. Tila Tequila. Yeah. She had the most friends on MySpace. Uh, so Tila Tequila, the uh, most friends on MySpace. Uh, no, what is she? She's like the is she the love interest or or sister type character for He Man? I was very confused for a long time. I believe she is the captain of the Royal Guard and a yes. potential love interest for He Man. She's also the adopted daughter of Man at Arms. Yeah, and she she has like some disdain for uh, Prince Adam. Thinks he's an oaf, but is like into He Man. Tila decides to find out more about who her real parents are and gets captured by Merman in the process. Mm. She's rescued by He-Man and, and, uh, and uh, Man-at-Arms and his friends and finds out that the sorceress is her biological mom. Man-at-Arms agreed to raise her, but then she gets her memory wiped. <laughs> 
But He-Man doesn't. This pissed me off. Um, so the sorceress, when she finally reveals uh, that she is her biological mother, immediately wipes her memory and then tells uh, He-Man, uh, can you keep that secret for me? And I'm like, why? First off, why can't she Just, know you're her biological mother? Apparently, the idea is actually. I mean, I can't even say that's a strong word. There, there's an idea behind it. But um, the sorceress says that Tila will take her place once she's, you know, bit the big one. Oh, once she's gone. When when the sorceress is dead. Um, but then she wipes her memory, and I'm like, why? She doesn't explain why she can't know this now and then she also doesn't explain why it's cool that he-man knows but tila can't know well i think it's clear that men can be trusted and women can't i mean that's just it's just normal what is he man (laughs) i don't understand like why is there an alter ego why can't he just be (laughs) he-man here's another thing that drives me insane (laughs) um is is so there's Eternia, and we see establishing yes. shots of Eternia, and it's pink, and there's it's lush, full of vegetation. Yes. And then anytime he pulls out the sword, we get Castle Grayskull in the background, and it looks like a fucking Yes album out there. It's yeah. just like rocks yeah. and shit strewn all over the place. I think Tyler was watching a few episodes, and this is my favorite thing. He just started yelling, what are we trying to save? This place looks like shit. (laughs) Um, There's no one around. It's just rocks, but it's so... We have to keep Skeletor from taking over Castle Grayskull or else he'll be, like, in charge of the worst-run golf course in the world. It's (laughs) so ugly. Anyway, is Castle Grayskull in Eternia? It feels like it's in another dimension. It doesn't look like it's in the same place as Eternia. Maybe that's one of the secrets. They keep talking about the secrets of Grayskull. Maybe it's that it's like, Grayskull's in Idaho. (laughs) It's outside of Boise. uh, Yeah. About four acres. um, Right by a highway, though. So (laughs) Yeah, so. Just keep that uh, in mind. We learn something interesting in this is that uh, mom is from Earth. The queen. Queen. The queen. She was an astronaut and like got got lost in a on a mission and like landed on it Eternia and an Earth astronaut to be clear an Earth astronaut yeah she, we we learned more about this in one of the later episodes that we watched but this is the first glimpse of it and it's like oh that's that's actually a pretty cool twist yeah is that um, now I wanted more of that and we do get more of that later but I just I thought that was that was interesting. One of the few, because th- this is a very, we start getting into some Greek mythology, Greek mythology level shit here with like, you know, a, like true biological parents and then memory wiping and then like, you know, someone take like, this is like, oh, this Destiny. is family drama shit. And that little tidbit was like, oh, I want to know more about that though. Yeah, that was interesting. And I thought, oh, well, that's maybe why everyone looks like humans. But then um, in that later yeah. episode, when we see more of it, she lands and the king looks just like a human. I'm like, They were oh. already there, yeah. So, what? Well, and, you know, there's lots of theories about seeding, you know, that happened from Eternia to Earth. Um, Is that a true thing? Is that there are theories? Uh, no. I mean, there, there are theories about life on Earth, maybe coming oh, from see. other planets, okay. but I and don't maybe think Eternia specifically. Is Eternia. So uh, another thing, may I bring up an, an interesting, or a more disturbing than interesting thing I noticed in this episode? <laughs> disturbing things often are very interesting, so by all means. 
Well, this is the first episode. Well, you know, this is only the second episode we watched, so there might have been other ones. But so this is the first time we see that Cringer doesn't like being turned into Battle Cat. Uh, yeah, says, I did pick up on that. And then also he Battle Cat is like a different character. Like Battle Cat speaks and is speaking like like he's not Cringer. He's like don't turn me. He doesn't say don't turn me back into Cringer like Cringer does, but he's he's like talking. I'm like, what is going on? Here? <laughs> is it a split personality thing, or are these two different creatures living in the same body? Is it like that was really messed up? Yeah, that <laughs> to me. it, it was. It, I, uh, the second time I watched it, it was a little weird that Cringer's like, I don't want to be Battle Cat or whatever he says. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then you're going to force him to do that? Even though you have many modes of transportation. You don't need him. You don't need to ride a tiger. Also, he seems so big that it would be hard to ride a tiger. You know, you'd be sort of, your legs would be splayed out in a weird, it's the largest cat (laughs) on earth. And this this cat is enlarged slightly, as we see every time we turn on an episode of E-Man. But just slightly. It's always always funny to me. I'm like, just 33%. That's fine. That's as much as I need from a battle cat. And also, he has like an armored mask. Right. Um, Harness. But yeah, I did. Because Battle Cat has a few lines. And Battle Cat, the entity, has a few lines in this. Um, Which makes me think. Kind of more of a Tony the Tiger vibe to him. (laughs) Uh, so, uh, her, uh, Thurl Ravencroft came in just to do the parts of, uh, <laughs> Battle Cat. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like a very different thing than He-Man and Adam. So I don't know. And I've got a feeling that the show doesn't know either. Will you, you buy know, the fucking Cringer action figure or what? Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that doesn't really matter. It's kind of like in the cars universe, are people <laughs> driving these cars? You know what I mean? Like if you think about it too much. It's like, you know what? Don't worry about it. But this is just like, they they started it. You know what I mean? I wasn't <laughs> wondering that. Because like Prince Adam isn't like, no, don't turn me into He-Man. He right. is He He-Man. makes a conscious choice yeah. to become it, He-Man, whereas Cringer <laughs> just gets a laser shot at him and he enlarges 45% at most uh, and gets this weird helmet and apparently his entire personality changes. Yeah. A Jekyll and Hyde type deal. It's very... Strange. But with less uh, canes to the head in the Jekyll well, and Hyde and the, universe. And the episode that we... Saw. That's true. I mean, I don't know where, what, what Battlecat's doing on his off time. Uh, well, I also had a question. This is just sort of a technical question, but is Man-at-Arms wearing this all the time? His his uniform? His little uniform, but it also has like a high scoop in front of him yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that's always just there. Well, it seems they, like it would be really involved. Like, there's no like casual because I remember having you know you had the clips on the on the uni, on the action figures. You clip yeah. their little uh, armor on. Can he not clip right. his off and just you know sit around? It seems like it would well, be just too much. When it seemed, I don't know if you noticed that like the rest of the soldiers, the Eternia soldiers, like wear like the complete version of that, mm-hmm. where there's like a top to it sometimes. And it like yeah. made and more sometimes sense it as conveniently covers their mouth when they're talking. Sometimes right. the helmet yeah. just covers that part, so you just have to look at their eyebrows. Convenient. It made more sense as a as a uniform, but it was also like, so is he just always going casual? It's like he's <laughs> always got a uh, like an untied bow tie. Well, his. Like, I don't think the other uh, guards uh, they have a different helmet, but they don't have the high ally scoop um, mm. that's right in front of his mouth. 
Um, that seems like it would be, there's a scene where He-Man gets knocked down. It's not this episode, but later on. And he looks down and I'm like, technically you wouldn't be able to see him because you've got that weird scoop on your, <laughs> yeah. your armor. You can't see your fucking feet. Did you notice this episode was the first, um, we're definitely going to get into more of this, just general homoeroticism, but there was a very homoerotic, like He-Man pushing leg exercise moment in this one. Oh yeah. He, he was like grunting it, and pushing and it was just like, okay. Uh, okay. He was trying to, uh, <laughs> Merman um, releases some, some Lovecraftian monster from the depths sure. of time and space or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's and not important. It's going to be uh, poorly designed. It's controlled. It's controlled by the Red Pearl. As most monsters are, they're controlled by some sort of item that just makes sense. That's just is just science. introduced literally while they're telling me it controls the monster. Um, and uh, you know, he the plan backfires. You'll be surprised to find out. And Merman almost gets killed. He Man, being a good person, that's kind of mm-hmm. his thing. He saves Merman, uh, but Ethel Merman. <laughs> And he has to uh, then defeat the monster who is like on this sort of crystal tower. Because, of course, we're in the uh, the Crystal Sea where the Oracle of the Crystal Sea lives. Oh, my God. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he has to push him down with his little, his little He-Man legs. And by little He-Man legs, I mean massive meaty Quad thighs. Yeah. <laughs> And there's a lot of grunting and, uh, you know, sort of throwing his back, uh, his head back in a, an excited way. It's an interesting show, is, <laughs> is what yeah. I'm saying. This was a good, uh, I like the this lesson recap, which was, you know, found families deserve love, too. You know, found families are important, too, because, uh, you know, even though, um, well, it's a little bit different because, you know, Man at Arms is her adopted father, but it's like you even know, though she just calls him Man at Arms, I'm like, you can call him Dad if if you want. Don't yeah, do it on my account want. that I don't know these characters' names because I guarantee you I will be forgetting them shortly. Yeah. Oh, you mean uh, MAA? That's what I call him. <laughs> uh, you know, I, sure, I trained sure in like MAA. Rick or something. <laughs> no one except Adam. Adam gets a fucking normal name. Yeah. Yeah. This was a weird thing, and this comes up later on too with Sorceress where they try and do an interesting thing with women in general, um, where Tila is like, oh, I've got to go consult with the Oracle of the Crystal Sea because he'll be able to tell me who my mother is. And uh, He-Man, when he finds out when Orko spills the beans, um, He-Man's like, oh, she's a tough warrior, but even she will be no match for the the dark beasts of the Crystal Sea. Some garbage. Um, And it does that several times in other episodes we watched where it, it will put women in distress, but also like try and like add this caveat of like, but she's really tough, but these monsters are really uh, something. Uh, so you got to be careful out there, ladies. Um, it was a weird thing. I couldn't tell if I absolutely hated it or if I wanted to give it a small modicum of credit for at least making an effort that I think a lot of other 80s shows wouldn't do. That they are, she is tough. Right. It's like, we'll say she's tough. She's also the captain of the guard and usually can hold, I mean, usually when everyone, when, sorry, usually when she gets captured, everyone else is also in the process of getting captured. Uh, This was just an instance where uh, she went off. She was chained to a rock, much like, you know, Andromeda and Clash of the Titans and uh, Mm -hmm. almost fed to a monster, which is a very sexist trope. But I really got to hand it to them for that four second line of she's real tough, but. 
So what I'm but, saying is uh, this is pretty much just uh, Betty Friedan is a writer for He-Man, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Reign of the Monster, Ugh. season one, episode 16. This one I had to stop it because I got so... Uh, oh, yeah. So bored. this one is wacky. Okay. Skeletor steals the staff of Avium yeah. from the Merman, not to be confused with Merman, who we just saw in the previous episode. Oh, I thought they were Torgs. Are they not called Torgs? They ca- he calls them Merman at some point. Maybe it was a audio mistake, but I was like, they're the Merman? You oh, just named a character Merman. No, you're right. Torgs is, is later, right? Torgs or are the, the, the miners. He doesn't steal oh, yeah. it from them. Yeah. The Torgs are the weird mining people that we have never seen before since... Um, also very sexual costumes, little pink um, loincloths. Yeah. Otherwise, just beefy, hairless men um, with mustaches and oh, like God, Pete gonna... Rose haircuts. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. They all have like the page boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Skeletor steals the staff of Avion from the merman. To what are free the powers the of the, the staff of Ab- Well, I'll tell Ab- you, Ab- if you Ab- let Ab- me Gom- finish this one sentence recap, Ab-Gom- which Bubba? is that that you can use it mm-hmm. to free the horse demon Mulcrum from its crystal prison. Mm. And that's its and only purpose. I, I don't know <laughs> what other purpose it has. Eventually, He-Man and his buddies recapture Mulcrum and chase Skeletor away. I guess the other thing it can do is put it back in the crystal prison. Yeah, and it also will explode and destroy half of Eternia, but if it does explode, it just comes back later? Yeah, it, it did explode. Yeah. But it did, it was like not even like a bad fireworks situation. He like threw it, was it into like, space using his powers. Yeah. And it exploded Fabulous and then it just powers. came back. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get What's your problem? You're right. My, um, yeah, obviously, the problem was with me. What don't you understand about the word fabulous? Let me ask you. <laughs> <laughs> um. Otherwise, it's it's a common usage that Stratos, uh, who is some sort of flying monkey man. Guy, yeah. Um, who wears goggles. He kind of looks like a space ghost also ran, but yeah. apparently he's in the Heman world. He's, he's king of the merman, but not merman. <laughs> uh, it also shoots fireworks. He shows, because He-Man says, what does that trident do, Stratos? And he goes, look, and he points it, and then it shoots fireworks into the air. In so, the, that, yeah. Uh, that's something they can do. At some point, I don't know, I just put this in quotes. I don't know what the context was, but apparently He-Man says, just must my hair. <laughs> I did say, um, what's her name? Tila asked him if he's okay, and he he's holding his hair, and it's in a, it's obvious that they had to reanimate it. Um, they were like, oh shit, we gotta do something new on the model, because some fucking writer wrote something about hair being messed up, so now I gotta draw a whole cell. His hair, but it makes it, the way they've drawn it, it makes it look like uh, He-Man is, has a comb over because <laughs> he's holding it at such an angle that a, a large portion of his scalp is visible, which I liked uh, this uh, fanciful version of He-Man that I have now where uh, he is completely bald. I wanted to mention, because the Torgs are sort of the underlings of uh, Skeletor for this there, special There episode. is army of muscly men. His oiled up minor men. It's very sexy. Uh, they attack Stratos's people, the mermen, um, or mermen. Eugene Merman. They're coming, they're coming, uh, 
They're coming in spaceships, which I was bothered by because they have spaceship technology, but they do not have shirt technology. Well, they master you know, an interstellar that's flight. That's just assuming parallel evolution. You can't. That's true. You know that. what? You're absolutely right. And I apologize to the Torks. I'll have to do a and, notes app uh, post. Yeah, you know, post on that Instagram. To Instagram. We also got the He-Man space jet ski. So they've got advanced space technology because he he busts out his little space wave runner. Oh yeah, those little. Time. Yeah, that's great. I like that because that's also some animation you can reuse over and over again is someone sitting on one of those space wave runners uh, in profile. I tell you, I want the toy. So, (laughs) Uh, Me and Tyler noticed that um, some of the steering mechanisms on (laughs) He-Man's ships seem like they were not ergonomically designed. Um, Stratos' wife, whose name I didn't catch, uh, ma'am. Ma'am? Ma'am? Okay, um, she is driving a uh, she is driving a spaceship at one point, and it looks like it's like um, one of those uh, cables you would have at the gym that comes out in a Y. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's rigid, and she's you have to hold it pretty much above your head, so you'd have to hold your arms at a weird angle the entire time you're flying a spaceship, which seems uh, you're not, not take long good. Flights. Yeah. yeah, it's for short bursts of energy, not for not for a long, you know, uh, cross Atlantic flight. The other thing I noticed is with those wave runners is that there's no steering wheel. Um, the steering mechanism is on the two sides of this long tube that runs across the front. So you'd also, it's almost like a Chinese finger trap. Can I say that? Just a finger <laughs> trap that you get at Spencer's, but it, like it's wider than your body, so you'd have to reach out far and then curve your hands at a very uh, acute angle to reach into these holes that are on each either side. I'm like, just put a wheel on it or a joystick. Why would you ever or want to be in make this it like position? a wave runner in real life? It's our motorcycle. No need. We're gonna have it where it's like you're reaching into two tipped over popcorn barrels on the sides of the. <laughs> The machine. We got our first our first appearance of Ram Man, which I remember the action figure of. I and had that one. He's one of your favorite characters because he has the person personality traits of. Go ahead, Damon, fill that in. Uh, yeah, yes. Um, he uh, he loves he loves the Bronte sisters. That's his favorite thing to read. <laughs> um, he likes mysteries, but he doesn't like true crime. That's an interesting okay, thing about Ram Man. Interesting. Okay. Um, his mother, uh, she wasn't abusive, but she was very distant. Um, and his father, he thinks, had an alcohol problem, but was fairly functioning alcoholic, so it was hard to actually tell because um, he was still able to keep a job and everything. Um, he's still on a good relationship with both of them, uh, but he had to remove them from their toxic lifestyle. So that's mm, when he moved to yeah. Eternia. As, I mean, I don't have to tell you this. Um, yeah, right, right, right. He uh, does a lot of macrame. Uh, he will readily admit it is, it's not cool. It's, you know, very 70s, but he just, he just likes it. Um, it takes him to a, in, you know, sort of a zen place. Um, and uh, he, got, he didn't get his license, his driver's license until he was 18. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? <laughs> that is interesting. And my favorite fact about Rayman is, is that you would think that he was named specifically, be- Ram Man, specifically because he sh- has the shape and service of a ram. Um, <laughs> he basically serves as a human. Take form of ram, he might uh, battering ram. He's got a, like, mm-hmm. a flat, hell, you know, a 
costume that gives him a flat head and he rams no things. neck. Uh, but of, it's actually because he's very into computers. Oh yeah, like a like a memory. He likes to yes. have as much RAM mm-hmm. in his computer as yeah. possible. Interesting. He just always upgrading his RAM. Definitely. It's one of those uh, funny, funny little coincidences here history. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's talk about Mulcrum just one more time. Uh, so we <laughs> just one more the, time. One more time for the road, Mulcrum. This is the scariest fucking cartoon thing I've ever seen in my oh, life. Oh, really? This is the, the horse monster. It's not scary like, oh, well done. It's scary like, what the fuck are we <laughs> okay, doing? Okay, yeah. Okay. It's a it's a horse demon. So it's got like a like a, a very angry horse-ish face. And then it's got, you know, the back legs. And then it's just got like spaghetti arms. Just mm-hmm. It's got like little wildly. Whip, like squid whip arms. And they like wrap around, like he uses them as his main weapons. And oh boy. Let's not forget the drag queen feel. style unit uh, he's got on his head. He is a huge yeah. like Tammy Wynette bouffant, like blonde hair. Not a horse's mane. Like a human's scalp of hair, blonde, on top of his head. I also like him because he has a horse's head, that. a horse's head, um, a man's chest, a human's chest, and then a back to the, the horse thing. So it was like, they were like, I'm making a horse, I'm making a man, gotcha, horse again. Oof. And while I'm at it, squid arms. Oh, yeah, um, it is the, very I weird. About that. It's about very silly. Too. Oh, there were horns on him? Yeah, he's got horns. Oh, good Lord. This was another example of like, what the fuck is this? If you guys want to look this up, M-O-L-K-R-O-M. Mulcrum He-Man. Good luck to you. If you want to sleep tonight, <laughs> wouldn't recommend it. Um, and all it does is screech at the top of its lungs. It, it, it is not sentient. Wait, it's it's like just like... like yeah. It's like a banshee sort of situation. And the plan here, just if I can reverse engineer Skeletor's plan... Um, <laughs> It's to release Mulcrum as a sort of distraction. So he can get into Castle Grayskull. To, for the secrets, Damon. I just can just just take just take a few minutes and tell me what's so important about Castle Grayskull. Do you know what the word secrets means, Damon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but can you tell me? I already know that Prince Adam and He-Man are, are the same person, so I can keep a secret. Wait. What? <laughs> so uh, I feel like just let me in, sorceress. Let me know. Don't push me away. To save Skeletor, season two, episode ten is our next one. Oh right, yeah, sure. Wait, hold on. Do I have anything else to say about this? Uh... Probably. Oh, I did want to say I was a little sympathetic for Mulcrum's whip arms because, as as a cartoonist, I can tell you, hands are hard. So why <laughs> yeah. not just give him whip yeah, arms? It's the, it's the like Rob Liefeld, like, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and just do these little noodles. I'm a little feet. All these, all these superheroes are jumping. So you don't need to see their feet. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Oh, also there was a moment where Stratos, the head merman, mm-hmm. he is cloned. He is uh, brainwashed yeah. by Skeletor and then yes. cloned by Skeletor to attack Heman and their his friends, and then his sister comes out and says, "Stratos, you do not want to hurt us. Think about it." And he does, and then he's cured of the brainwashing and kills all the clones. It it's like twenty seconds. Mm-hmm. What was the fucking point of that? 
it's a challenge, man. You can't have you know you got you can't have an adventure without a little adversity that barely affects your main character at all. <laughs> Look, all right, we don't have a lot of time in these. Okay, we yeah. Gotta, go ahead, go go over to no, save Skeletor. I mean, in He Man episodes, we don't have a lot of time. We have as long as we want, Dave. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. That's it's fucking that's fucking true. Before we get into save Skeletor, this is written by Paul Dini. Does that name ring any bells to you? Paul Dini. So I want to say he invented the potato chip. <laughs> that was, of course, Mr. Pringle. Paul Dini uh, wrote for, uh, helped create, I believe, Batman the Animated Series and really? helped write for Tiny Toon Adventures. But I think okay. his big claim to fame is uh, the DC cartoon universe, doing uh, Batman the Animated Series and then Sp- mm. Superman after that. Mm. Well, so keep an that- eye out. This for guy's the, going those places. roots here in To Save Skeletor. Go for it. Recap me. Skeletor summons the creature Shigora from an evil dimension. He-Man and his peeps eventually rescue Skeletor and his people, and they team up to send Shigora back to the evil dimension. Shigora is this giant beanbag monster, <laughs> Cyclops monster. Also with whips for arms. Yeah, it's actually a little... Repeaty, having watched these two episodes, it's 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 a similar, not exactly the same plot. I guarantee you, they use the same color brown for these. I mean, yeah. Shigora to me looked like a sentient colon. I don't know about yeah. you, but that's what he looked like. Um, he also ha- is cycloptic. He has, only has one eye. Yeah. So uh, my immediate response was: think of the weapon you got in this dungeon and hit him in the eye three times. Absolutely done, Fizzle. done and done. Shigora, out of here. We learn. <laughs> Uh, My favorite thing about Shigora is also it's got a little John Waters mustache, which I like. It does. I did notice these weird random lines on on him. And I can't, the problem with this shitty animation is that I can't tell him, like, is that a wrinkle? Is that a mustache? Um, This is probably the worst example of, like, this is what you came up with. And then you have this detailed, these detailed characters like Skeletor and He-Man standing right next to what just looks like if you asked a child to draw a monster. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does have that like, do you remember in The Good Place where they play uh, Pictionary and then the like terrible horse he draws like come to life? <laughs> that's Shigora, basically. That's like, <laughs> Mokram really more than Shigora, but... Um, uh, this is also the first time we saw Whiplash. Whiplash and Mephisto. Um, Which one's Mephisto? The guy with the fist. The big oh, for armored fuck's fist. Sake. Um, Whiplash, though, I remember both me and Tyler had immediate sense memories when he came on screen. Yeah. I was like, I had Whiplash because his tail was rubber, and so he had a very specific smell in the He-Man um, yeah. box because he, he smelled like rubber. Because they were like, I guess we have to go all out and put in fucking rubber on these things now. Um, I also want to say this is season. this is our first season two episode, right? Yes. Um, the writing still isn't, uh, isn't what I would prefer. I'll say it that way, but you can tell that they're trying to make some sort of effort all of a sudden, like Skeletor gets like, he gets the cold open (laughs) in these episodes and he gets to actually be kind of a bitch, which I'm into. He's very bitchy with beast man and, 
No, Lock, I don't think it's Lock, this episode. The next but he, one is like Lockjaw and with with Lockjaw and yeah. uh, Beastman in the next episode. But he actually gets a few good lines, which I didn't write down. Good, fine lines, I should say. They're fine. Yeah, it's all it's relative. It's all relative. But yeah, he it is like that's an interesting like at this point it's like you know a sitcom trope like the you or a a story trope. I don't know about sitcom, but like that you have to team up with the villain because there's right. an even villainier villain. For them, it's like, oh, see, good job. Like, for for this show to use it, even though it's, like, kind of a trope, it's still like, oh, okay, here's something. Here's, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's uh, very weird, though, that this show would do it because Skeletor seems uh, like he's trying to kill everyone. He's so it pure, seems yeah, weird, like, yeah. oh, no, someone's going to kill Skeletor? Like, yeah. Let but, I mean, at this Skeletor point, brought they've... this on himself. At this point, they've defeated Skeletor almost every episode for like a hundred episodes, so they're true. not really scared of Skeletor. <laughs> That's at this true. Point. He's not really that much of a threat. It's he's sort of like the drunk tank in Mayberry. They're just like, okay, Skeletor, yeah, right, we're gonna yeah. put you in here for a little bit, let you sober up, and then we're gonna let you go home. Okay? <laughs> yeah. They know he's like. Yeah, they're not like really worried about what he's gonna do next. Uh, did you notice the super breath that power that He-Man has now? One of his new fabulous powers. Oh, I missed what this fabulous power. Tell me more. Uh, he just creates. What does he do? He like. I think he creates little like uh, a little uh, tornado situation or a, like a haboob situation just by blowing <laughs> his breath. Uh, oh, interesting. It's pretty impressive. There's no limit to his powers. I did notice that in Eternia in general, um, freeze ray seems to be the standard ammunition. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for everyone. No one's well, doing you know, bullets or even lasers. Freeze rays all the way. Well, there were some, you know, like some whatever you call the the code, the ethics code, cartoon stuff. Like He Man couldn't use his sword as like a sword. I did notice he used it to repel um, yeah. beams and projectiles at him. Unfortunately, I can't think of anything else that would be able to do uh, that. So I guess you'd have to use a sword. There's no other way yeah. to shield yourself from projectiles. Yeah, I don't know like what some other sort kind of, of like barricade between you and the projectiles. Maybe it could be round or even I don't know shield shaped. Yeah, uh, you could do of, that. What kind of shield item you'd use to shield yourself from? Yeah, that? but I don't know. but sword. You know, <laughs> when you're in a pinch, maybe somebody that goes well with a sword often. Yeah, I mean, scabbard. But, uh, no, where, that's, that's just... where are you going to get a chariot in this time of day? <laughs> um, but uh, counterpoint: a shield does not look like a penis. <laughs> that is a good point, and uh, like a, a a penis. I'm sorry. Uh, sorry, I meant to say penis. Um, <laughs> it can't shoot lasers at at your cat, your pussy cat. <laughs> I'm sorry I penised. I meant a penis. Um, <laughs> the lesson recap that for this one is don't be afraid to ask for help. Oh, that's Skeletor, sweet. Skeletor had to uh, to reach out, you know, like. Although I don't remember Skeletor actually proactively yeah, he reaching didn't really out. He reach was in out. a crystal and T-Man got him out of it. He did need help, but he did not ask for it. But, you know, we can learn things from that still, I guess is the point. One thing I do want to hand, I I came down pretty hard on Shigura, um, but once, I'm a little jealous of him because just once I would like to say to someone um, who's woken me up, who dares to summon Damon from my slumber? (laughs) Who dares? Who dares? And I'll also have a little cute mustache. And then someone will be like, it's me. 
Skeletor! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is another instance of the sorceress. um, Shigura comes to take over Castle Grayskull, and um, she uses the last of her magic, and that's the only reason that she is taken hostage um, Mm -hmm. and then turned into his puppet that attacks He-Man. She's tough, but not as tough as Shigura. tough as the monsters, yeah. Hi, there's the rub. Sorry, sorceress. I, uh, to you know, I, I think it is inherently misogynistic there element to it, but also like He Man does say upfront he's the most powerful man in the universe. Like right. so, he is. The of course, hero he can defeat all these characters thing. and barely is break a sweat. Pretty much every episode because it's a Superman situation. Like he's gonna prevail. Not only is he the hero, but even if he weren't, it doesn't matter. He's the most powerful man in the universe. Also important to note, if he did break a sweat, it would um, up the rating on these uh, cartoons because then it would just be too <laughs> too, too sexy. sexy. We have a man in fur underwear and no moisture. BDSM things. <laughs> if he has any moisture on his body whatsoever, a sheen, anything, I will fucking turn this off and turn it to Care Bears uh, faster than you can say Shigora. <laughs> Once I had someone just just kind of dabbing him between takes, just right the powder. Uh, although there was one line, this is probably the first time I actually laughed during an episode. Is that um, they're going both uh, Skeletor's crew and He Man's posse, as you know, Peeps, I believe you referred to them earlier, mm-hmm. um, are going to Castle Grayskull to stop Shigora from from tearing it apart. Um, and He-Man says, follow us to Castle Grayskull. And Skeletor goes, I know the way, He-Man. I've been there before. <laughs> it's funny because he's always trying to take it over. Yeah. I don't know if you picked up on that. It's, uh, it's uh, a little something for the fans uh, that you probably wouldn't have picked up on in a casual viewing. But uh, that's what Skeletor wants to do. He wants to take over Castle Grayskull. For secrets. <laughs> uh, so let's do these last two motherfuckers. The Rainbow yeah. Warrior. Season two, episode 20, at least by the count of uh, this. Skeletor, once again, our friend Skeletor, kidnaps everyone. And Queen Marlena is the only one left, and she pilots her old spaceship to rescue them. And she uses a flying technique that she wanted to teach Tila, but Tila uh, sort of brushed her off. Yeah, it's basically straight from uh, Top Gun. You see, we were in. Well, she just did it. Basically, she inverted over them and then got behind them and then shot them in the ass. Basically, her secret her secret was just flipping, flipping. <laughs> um, Maverick should be, should be dogfighting them one on one. I mean, I don't know. I don't fly planes, but I don't have much. This is the cold open oh, you were talking ahead. about because we we get oh this is okay. Skeletor is like basically <laughs> Trap Jaw and is it Whiplash or the two? Yeah, I thought it was Beast Man again. Maybe it's Beast Man, and they call they call Skeletor fat at some point. <laughs> <laughs> they did because uh, they weren't. They were. They were distracted. They were watching the jousting in Eternia via some sort of sphere that it's can do that. TV. Yeah. Um, <laughs> essentially, watching TV and Skeletor's like you know just going on about some new scheme, fill in the blanks, some sort of Mad Libs scheme he's got going, and uh, they're not listening. And uh, he says his patience is wearing thin and. Trap jaws like, I don't think you're too thin. I, if anything, you're too fat. <laughs> um, we also get Skeletor. I don't think it was to that, but Skeletor later in the episode goes, What? <laughs> I'm gonna probably use that in the future. It's a uh, you know, uh, he did not have much of a personality in the 
first episode, the first season, and he still doesn't have much of a personality. But they're trying to, they're fainting towards a personality, and you know, I like it. If you take me through a desert, eventually I will drink whatever water you give me. <laughs> <laughs> we, but let's we not get, give away our our uh, our verdicts. We get the we get the full legend of mom here, which I, I appreciate. We get like the full story of how she was on a space mission and yeah. got like stranded on Etern- the planet of Eternia, and then basically, uh, dad was like, "What's up, girl? Why don't you stay?" And uh, we also learned that. And I guess she's Mama. fine with that. She doesn't have any friends or family back on Earth. Well, if she was on a space mission this far away from Earth, like they're dead. I mean, that's oh, you just... think it's a Planet of the Apes situation? It's just the 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 way time works, you know. Like, she... oh, you think she went through a wormhole? You you think? I think that He Man the show does not give two shits about how long it takes to get to another uh, planet in another galaxy. Oh, but you do think they think they you they care about a character's family. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. I feel like this show would care more about the the time dilation than they would about the family. <laughs> That's true. They would go on and on and on about it, but never actually establish anyone's relationship with anyone else. What's in Castle Grayskull? Anyway, it's fabulous powers here. Anyway. Uh, got some. This is my friend Orko. He's one. He's one third of the people who know my secrets. Let me introduce you to the other two. Come this way, real quick. I don't know why he's. Why is he? A why is he Marv Albert? I don't know why I'm doing this. Get Johnny Gomes is three for three today. <laughs> Johnny uh, Gomes. Uh, Mama knows that he's He Man. We get a little bit where uh, where yeah. he's like, "Mama," and she's like, "Adam, I the trust mother you. knows." A mother knows. Okay, now it's too sexual. No. This is a homosexual no, no, no. <laughs> uh, laden show, not a heterosexual. We all know it's a slippery slope, Damon. I'm just saying. I've seen porn. You sleep with a certain <laughs> amount of men, and then eventually you're sleeping with women. That's all I'm saying. Is a slippery just, slope. That's just, that's just how slippery slips work. <laughs> whatever you're scared of, whatever you're talking about, will lead there. That's so. the slope mechanic. All slopes lead to that thing. The lesson recap is: listen to old people. They might they might have something valuable to say, including in this case, you know, Queen Marlena. Who delivers the lesson? I don't remember. It's I didn't not take important. notes on that. <laughs> Sorry, probably Skeletor for all I know. Yeah, right. uh, I did want to say, if elders talk to you, you gotta listen. <laughs> uh, uh, I did just to back into my uh, thing about how. Terrible this animation is. Uh, Trapjaw has a mechanical arm, for those who are not familiar with him. He has a mechanical arm, which makes him a rare asymmetrical character on Mm He-Man, which means when they flip his cell um, (laughs) to have him point in the other direction, it's really obvious because all of a sudden Mm. his left arm is a mechanical arm and not his right arm. (sighs) I gotta be honest, I did not notice that. I did. I mean, I, I noticed the general crappiness of the animation, but that specific problem I didn't. Know. I will say this is a, this is a, as feminist as a, as He Man gets, I imagine. Yes, yeah. I mean, it's like, it's definitely like not shaming Queen Marlena for having been an astronaut or having her own thing, but it also is a, like she 
does kind of give it all up. But I don't know. Like it's that's that's its own kind of feminism, right? She gives it up on like she's not against not against her will. She decides like I want to stay here and be the queen and oh i just meant even awesome. her saving the the oh yeah it's she all, essentially yeah. saves the day with her little tactic did you know that um you know how kings and queens like have the first the second the third mm-hmm. do you know that this is um hold on let me count one two three marlenas this is the marlena the third just he just keeps picking up earth ladies that was a a very deep wallflowers cut to their song three marlenas ah uh, okay Okay, okay. You know, I pretty much uh, uh, only made it to that one song. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, how many headlights was that? One. A uh, one, okay. It doesn't work as well as the, in one the same heart, format. Okay, okay. <laughs> Problem with Power, Season 2, Episode 45. Uh, Skeletor, once again, he tricks... This is the darkest episode by far, because he tricks... Oh, yeah, this is, this is weird. He tricks He-Man into thinking he had killed a guy, and then He-Man gives up being He-Man for a while, and then eventually takes it back. But It's the Superman 2 paradox. I've given up this thing forever until I need to do it again. Thank you. It is comple- it's not reversible at all unless I really want it to be. <laughs> uh, this is a really... Uh... This might be the best episode of the ones we watched, because it was actually something I had never seen in a children's cartoon like this. But to the point where I was like, is this appropriate for children? <laughs> so yeah. uh, Skeletor finds a guy who looks suspiciously like Rocksteady from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He's a goblin. Um, he is a goblin, which means, as we all know, we all took goblin biology. He does this not a have fact. a heart and thus no heartbeat, uh, which is a very specific like thing that they set up at the beginning of this episode. I'm like, where are we going with this? This, is the this only weird way this is gonna thing. Work. We have the kind of magic that can disguise a goblin as a man, but we don't have the kind <laughs> of magic that can make a heartbeat just like not, not be able to be detected. If Romeo and Juliet can figure it out, I'm fairly sure we can figure out some sort of story mechanic they were like to 15. hide the fact that your heart's not beating. <laughs> so so then he disguises uh, uh, Rocksteady as uh, just some man. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Skeletor also disguises himself as the brother of that man. And then they build a really shoddy dimensional gate <laughs> that then He-Man punches because he's a, an idiot was the feeling from the story I got was like, he's like, oh yeah, even though Man-at-Arms told me this was it's, precariously built, I'm going to punch it. At some point, he's going to punch it if we get him here. Right. So. <laughs> he did. Um, he punched it real good. And then they they pretended that Rocksteady, the heartless Rocksteady was underneath. And then um, He-Man is so stricken with grief. Now, this was interesting because it sort of talks about bystanders, innocent bystanders in a superhero context, which especially with Marvel being like the monoculture right now is a very interesting thing to talk about in an 80s cartoon. Right. That being said, I couldn't help but to sort of try and figure this plan out from Skeletor's perspective. Skeletor, (laughs) who, by the way, does not know that Prince Adam is He-Man and does not even know that He-Man has an alter ego whatsoever, that he can give up being He-Man. So his plan was to make He-Man believe he was dead and he knew that that would make He-Man stop, take a vacation from being He-Man? I I guess you could could say, and I think I'm doing a little 
too much lifting for the show itself that that it's making you know he-man become the thing he hates the most you know like a killer or you know even though skeletor rarely kills anyone either well yeah we gotta assume that skeletor is off screen killing people just to be evil but it's not it never happens in the show of course no he's just freeze raying everyone and putting them in crystals or something yeah uh, I do want to hand it to the they uh He-Man got a new expression in this one which was sadness cuz yeah. He-Man's face is constantly the same um no matter what no matter what he is expressing his face looks exactly the same except uh in this episode he was sad and Tyler pointed out uh they put shadows on him in Whoa. the in the sad part wow made it almost look like a well animated show he flings his penis sword into a crevasse and, uh, and yet it was pretty easy to get back. <laughs> also, did you catch the racial slur that Tila threw at Skeletor? What? No. Yeah, she says, and no magic, evil face. Oh, it's just on. like, come on, let's just. That's his face. That's, he's sensitive about, you can see, look at how much he works out. You think he's not sensitive about the fact <laughs> that he has no muscles on his face? Skeletor went full carrot top. He was so <laughs> obsessed. Um, that's not funny the recap the lesson recap at the end was just basically basic safety lessons it was unrelated which i think is probably fine because sometimes it would be difficult to be like if you accidentally kill someone tell the police immediately (laughs) that would be if you ever crush a man with the side of a dimensional portal here's what you do check for a pulse begin mouth to mouth resuscitation we didn't watch the last episode, but I did look at the recap of it because it just uh, like oh all the final cartoons, episode of the series yeah because all like all ep- like cartoons of this era it just kind of ends they just like stopped making them nothing, there's no like big finale we don't like say goodbye to all it's not like Skeletor and He Man kiss at the end <laughs> right but those are the episodes we watch big points listen yeah I yeah, I feel like we've talked about it this enough. is not our verdict this is just bigger points yeah, about the I series in talk, general I just want to talk about the animation uh, that's you and me both, buddy. One of the most noticeable things, and you know, you're you're uh, you're an artist, so you're probably pick pickier than uh, most people would be. But it is noticeably, they had to have knocked out like a single season in like two weeks. <laughs> it has to be a speed thing, right? Like, no shade on the animators; they're probably just trying to get shit done. They're probably on a crazy timeline, crazy cheap. They're like, listen, you have five hundred dollars. It's like supermarket sweep, but for drawing cartoons. <laughs> you have five hundred dollars. You have fifty seconds because seconds. you answered all the questions correctly. And the time starts as soon as I finish this sentence. This is absolutely terrible animation. Um, I, it reminded me very much of Hanna Barbera, which I've referenced several times. But it, I mean, even like the running animation where they're in profile whenever they're running across a landscape, it's very like Scooby Doo when the, the the mystery gang or whatever their name is yeah. uh, runs across the screen. They're always like in that sort of like block formation where they're all running, uh, and that's how it feels when Tila and He Man and all the rest are running across the yeah. fetid <laughs> landscapes of Castle Grayskull, and and on the one hand, like I give Scooby Doo more of a pass because Scooby Doo is like a hijinks, like zany cartoon right. show. Like it's Fits a comedy yeah. show. And this is this supposed like high fantasy, like lore heavy 
thing. And it just feels like, I mean, it's, it's, it's cheap and it, they reuse animation like constantly, like the models are all the same. You like, if you just watch the opening, the, or if you would just watch the, the first episode and a half, you've probably seen 85% of the animation. Right. Uh, right. That is used throughout this series. It's so repetitive and shitty um, that it just wears you down. Plus, then there are whole blocks of sequences, primarily, uh, you know, him transmogrifying into He Man every episode that yeah. take huge blocks of time that they can just sort of ignore. It reminded me in that in those contexts of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which sort yes, of follows the of same beats of. Oh no, there's a weird monster in Angel Grove. Let's go fight him. Oh no, that didn't work. Let's put on our Power Rangers outfits. Oh no, that didn't work. Let's get out our Zords, but don't connect them yet. That's still not working. Let's combine it to the Megazord, and now we have fought him and we've defeated him. And all those scenes of like the Zords coming out or them holding their weird like Same, Mighty Morphin yeah. Power Rangers coins out in front of them. I'm like, oh, I can't imagine how much time this is just eating up of the runtime of a 21-minute show. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's like 11 minutes of new stuff in each episode. Yeah, and the rest is all reused. Yeah, it's it's crazy how how cheap everything looks, and especially when when you do get those one off characters, that it's so obvious that they just sort of like just draw the simplest thing possible so we can get it done. Yeah, you mentioned the lore. Did you have any uh, general thoughts about? Ugh. It's just, I mean, I am a nerd. I like fantasy and I like sci-fi you stuff. You don't say that about my friend Damon. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a lot of friends who are creative uh, that, that I've had throughout my life and fancy themselves uh, writers of such things. And you sometimes have to sit and read their uh, <laughs> takes on those things. Sometimes you've even written some yourself. And it's the worst of those. Th- I mean... Fantasy and sci-fi, I feel like, is like the triple lutz of like writing because you have to do so many things that a lot of just normal writers don't have to do. You have to create a whole world and a whole history, and you have right. to create the rules of those worlds while also like doing it in prose that is not absolutely terrible. Right. You're make you're inherently making a bit more world because you have to build worlds. You have right. to like yeah, and then those worlds probably don't function like our world does, and. Uh, you'll have to explain how that works. Yeah. And like, I'll use Lord of the Rings as an example because, I mean, I know that fantasy isn't for everyone necessarily, but Lord of the Rings starts out in Hobbiton, which, albeit they're small little people, it's otherwise an agrarian, like, English town. And you would, if you were an English reader in the 1940s and 50s, you'd be like, oh, I kind of recognize this. They work in the fields, then they go to the pub. I got it. Um, and then it slowly opens up after that. This is just like, I need the trident of Flim Flam and we need to get to the Tower of <laughs> to get to the Crystal Seas of <laughs> to fight the dark beats of my fondness fest. And yeah, I'm I like, think- who are you talking about? And who is Tila to He-Man? Can you just at least establish who these two people are? Yeah, it just kind of plops down in the middle. And I think that it's like, it's interesting that this became so popular and so i was so into it as a kid i wonder how much i knew what was going on or if i was just like this is cool you know i think there is a reason that we had very fuzzy memory we remember watching he-man and maybe playing with he-man but we do not remember the elements of he-man like i remember that the tiny tunes went to acme luniversity to get their tune degree because that's established in the fucking song for one thing but like i understand like this universe 
He-Man is just like, just throw a bunch of gobbledygook. And if you could introduce a new character each episode, episode so we can yeah. sell a new toy, that would be ideal. Thank you. There really is. The character is just like, it's like a waterfall. There's always, and, and they, it's possible that we just missed all of the first episodes, but it seems like they just like, they're just there. And then that one, like, when I did go to the first episode, there is an, uh, there is a scene where Skeletor calls his evil board of directors or whatever the fuck they are to his, his, uh, Ensemble. to snake mountain. And he says, merman from the, I don't know where the fuck merman's from. And then he, he, he calls them all by all name. And I'm like, mm. okay, I, Okay. See, you're trying to do something. That being said, like, I mean, I couldn't tell you. I mean, we had fun with Ram Man because there's such a void to every character. Like He-Man, I couldn't tell you anything about him other than he is really tan and vaguely good and courageous. Yeah. But like, there is nothing. He is not funny. He is not scared of anything. Like, there's nothing interesting about He-Man. There's and there's not even really if you took He-Man's dialogue and put it in Tila's mouth, I probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No one is particularly different from each other except from like really exaggerated characters like Orko and Cringer. Right. Everyone's just sort of generic good guy or generic bad guy, and I couldn't tell the difference between them if you well, asked me. I don't me know. To. I w- in the episodes we watched, we did get a little bit more from Tila just exploring her family. Like we got a little bit more of her personality. Like she's hard headed and she like, you know, like is independent and strong and all this kind of stuff that like we got more from her in that one episode that I ever saw from, from (laughs) He-Man in any of these. Although you do get like glimpses of it, like because mostly from Tila being like, fed up with Adam like he does play play Adam a bit more oafish and like a Bruce Wayne type character where he's like just like a rich spoiled rich kid which I think is a really interesting interesting dynamic that I actually wish I had more of you know from these episodes because I'm like that's sort of like the when you see Clark Kent Superman it's ridiculous right because they're very literally all he does is put on a pair of glasses but when you see Christopher Reeve do it in those Superman movies like it's you kind of maybe it's still maybe a stretch that people wouldn't recognize, but it's is like he does a really good job of like making them seem different. His whole like posture changes yeah. when he becomes Clark Kent, which is I mean we already gushed about Christopher Reeves' yeah. performance when we did our episode on Superman, but yeah. yeah, I mean, and that's something they did. And but when you're doing really cheap animation where you're just yeah reskinning the He Man, uh, looking at the camera cell to look like Prince Adam. You're not going to get that same vibe. Yeah. What did you think? Did you notice the music? Did you? Oh my god! And because again, it has that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It has that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers like template quality, where it's like this is what happens in the episode. You get a MacGuffin. Skeletor is trying to get the MacGuffin. Prince Adam changes into He Man. He stops him from getting the MacGuffin. That music, there's no change in the music. It's always, the minute he turns into He-Man, it's, and every fight scene is to that song. I'm like, I got it. Please, anything else would be fine. Violins, perhaps? I did kind of like it, though. This felt, it felt like, um, not as good as this, but like when, when Indiana Jones, like, does something heroic and that theme comes in. 
Right. Like, and you're like, yeah. I, I, like, <laughs> I didn't, like, I, I'm, again, I'm giving it a little bit too much credit, but, like, it did have a little bit of that quality because it would be when they start kicking ass, that theme would kick in. And you're like, right. okay, now the, bad, now the good guys are going to win. And that's I guess kinda, I thought it was kind of comforting. You know, it's like, it was it's like, too, sorry, go ahead. Well, it's, just, it's like comfort food. You know what I mean? You're like, you're like, I'm not saying this is that McDonald's is good. I'm saying that it makes me right. happy to eat it right now. <laughs> you know, I can understand that. I guess I thought it was a little too kind of generic music to like yeah, get right. like super into. And even uh, Indiana Jones at least has different music Versions play when they're it, yeah. in. Well, even to, like there are different songs as so yes. that when that the Indiana Jones theme starts, you're like. Yeah, there's like a difference. Yeah. You know what's in store right now. There was a little um, bit like Tila had a theme, and I remember it being really wacky. But I don't know if they just gave up on that or if I just didn't notice it as much. But I remember when like the early on, when, like we did the Tila episode, there was like, a, oh, this is out. This is different. <laughs> um, but it wasn't a thing that like continued throughout. I mean, they did like whenever you know like. Cringers talking, there's usually like a wink, right? Like this kind of like can of Philip Glass came in for his amelodic piece <laughs> on Cringer. <laughs> oh, this does that does remind me that the sound effects are also super wacky. Yes, for being such a action adventure like high fantasy thing, the the sound effects are very. Uh, Super Mario Brothers yeah. Super Show. There's even like that sort of waggle noise when Shaggy and Scooby would be running in place because they're so scared that they forgot to run forward. Yeah, it's very like it. I don't know. Maybe this was just like a trope where you, in the '80s they didn't even think about it. Like cartoons have these sound effects. Put the sound effects in. Um, uh, whereas now I think they'd be like, well, we don't we don't need those sound effects for this. No, um, you get the idea. Also, the the other thing is that the the action is really boring. Yes, it's very um, slow. It's yeah. very slow because I think the animation is so cheap, so it's yeah. always a little herky jerky. I also like there is the probably the sen- censorship seems strong, but like, hey, don't don't do You're a lot of Saturday sword fighting because we don't, don't the, kids yeah. stabbing each other. So <laughs> it seems like that would be the reason the show exists, and it seems very clunky. Yeah. Although that we know what the reason this show exists is to sell me toys, which it unfortunately was very effective at. Yes, and the second, the that's probably the biggest reason. The second biggest is to spread gay subtext. So we got to talk about that. <laughs> I was actually disappointed. I really wanted, as I said during a Stargate episode, I always wanted to be gayer, and this didn't. This seemed like it has a very visual gay look, where yes. it's just like beefcakes upon beefcakes. Um, but then everyone's so bland that it can't even be like sort of campy, uh, guilty pleasure fun. It's just um, everyone's in BDSM outfits, but it's so boring that even to try and enjoy it in like sort of a, a silly mystery science theater way is not an enjoyable feeling. Like I just got there's, bored. There's some like things out there. And and uh, to be fair, I didn't, I didn't go into like a... I, this is not my doctoral thesis, right? I didn't go in depth, but like there's some people out there saying, you know, that the animators and the writers like purposefully like put more subtext in, not to like in a nefarious purpose, but just because they didn't have, you know, a place to express it. And if this would felt like a fun, campy, like safe place to just kind of like make it even more camp. And it is very campy and I kind of see that, but I'm also like that, that sentiment feels a little retroactive to me. 
And maybe that's just me being like, I didn't notice it when I was five because I was five. And maybe that's just me pretending like I'm smarter than I am or something. But like that feels like later on you were like, never yeah, let that stop you. Always right? pretend you're smarter than you are. <laughs> yeah. I started a podcast just to prove It's it. my life motto. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it feels like later on when people, when it was like safer to be out or safer to like express yourself, they went, yeah, we put those in there because x y and z or do you you know you never know like what people are thinking in the moment but it's like i don't i don't know about all that like i feel that way um this may be more of a hot take but uh i feel that way when people are like oh you know the guy who created bert and ernie he he wanted them to be gay you know and and the guy who who did uh create bert and ernie was a gay man and he has gone on the record saying oh yeah i created them to be a, a a gay couple but you know i couldn't say that explicitly and I'm like, did you? Is, am I really supposed to believe that you created Bert and Ernie to be an openly gay couple living together? Well, I don't and, know. I always, yeah. I, it's kind of like the Dumbledore uh, thing where it's very convenient to, after the fact, Later, after right, the media right. has been created, and say, oh, well, yeah, I always meant for him to be gay. Don't I seem so interesting now? I'm um, like, get, get out of here. Yeah, so, someone was talking about like songwriting, and they're like, Make make it make sense to you first and then look for themes later. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I think that's like even as a creator, not even like obviously if you're analyzing someone else's creation, you can kind of find themes that were maybe not even intentional. That doesn't mean they're not there. It no, yeah, absolutely. That, I'm I, I'm yeah. very much an adherent of that that yeah. they're that what uh, experiencing media is also a creative process. So you can right. see themes that are there and that doesn't make them less valid just because, you know, uh Lou Schreiber, who created He-Man, didn't intend for right. yeah. there be to a, be a huge Tom of Finland BDSM vibe that goes through He-Man. Yeah, I guess that's part of it too. Is just that there's hundreds of people involved in this to create this cartoon, um, and so it's like, how many people were in this? In like the sort in on the sort of like gay subtext thing and again that does it doesn't negate it I don't how many think. um hollywood types in 1983 were in on the gay subtext you were making into a kid's show how many people were in on this conspiracy fair enough <laughs> <laughs> i just uh, and again i don't even if there were that much like if it were intentional i don't see anything nefarious in that they were saying like you know right this would be a fun way to express ourselves and also still make a profitable children's show, which, you know, mission accomplished. If yeah. they did, you know, Obviously. I don't, yeah, I'm not saying like it's nefarious or even, you know, like there that someone was like, I'm gay because of He-Man, you know, that's not <laughs> how it works. I did. I, I can't remember if I said this in the introduction or not, but I said, uh, I did a cartoon recently of He-Man and I was, you know, looking at all these pictures of He-Man to, you know, capture that Just the for style work. of it. For work. It was for work. And that's why I saved them to my computer. Um, <laughs> but I realized, like, oh, I was drawing, like, He-Man's body. And I was like, oh, if he had nipples, I probably would have come out at, like, six years old. <laughs> like, they removed all the appropriate parts so that I wouldn't have been completely over-sexualized as a kid. Um I just, uh, one more thing. I w- did watch an extra episode because one of the podcasts I listened to, gayest episode ever that I was telling you about, mm. um, they're doing an episode on an episode of He-Man. Don't say episode of episode. Um, <laughs> so I watched an extra episode so that I can listen to um, 
their piece on that. Yeah. I also deliberately did not listen to their their episode so that I could uh, come in fresh. I don't want to be tainted. Right. And uh, this, they put it to their listeners to pick the gayest episode of He-Man. So I watched that one. Uh, where He-Man gets uh, his memory wiped and sucked into another dimension where there are animal people. Wow. <laughs> uh, where there are animal people, and uh, it's like an anti-pollution thing. But there is a sort of gay-acting bunny in it who keeps commenting on He-Man's muscles. <laughs> and He-Man does have to ride a rocket at one point. Oh, so gay. those are the only... That was the most explicit um, subtext I saw. Yeah, he rides I mean, a rocket as you'd expect him to, I might add. I will say this, like, you know, whether it's retroactive or, you know, intentional in the moment, like, it's definitely there. I I see it all over the place. So if it wasn't intentional, it's almost at least somewhat intentional. It's a little bit odd. You know, it's if, very, you know what I mean? It's very odd that in the early 80s, we had a whole cartoon for kids about all these jacked up men who are more or less scantily clad and then women who are fairly in the realm of comic book superhero women are fairly conservatively clad um they're in leotards but their you know bellies aren't out so i feel like that right. in the comic book world that's oh what are you a nun or something <laughs> why ain't you got a bad midriff why isn't your back make a weird s shape says rob <laughs> leefield i don't know it is very odd I'm not saying that there isn't a subtext. Right. I just was like, when I watched it, I was like, oh, here we go. And then I was surprised by how bored I was the entire time. Yes. Uh, speaking of, let's go to the verdict, shall we? Damon Xanthopoulos. Hi. Oh, sorry. Give us a verdict. <laughs> you call me. Oh, Skeletor. Oh, God. Uh, you've taken over the podcast again. For its secrets, I imagine, for the secrets of the podcast. What? <laughs> <laughs> My verdict is uh, your inner child is an idiot. This is Whoa. one of the worst things we've had to watch for the podcast. <laughs> this is some of the most cynical claptrap that I can't believe that I was spoon-fed as a kid and pretended to enjoy. This is terrible writing. It's shitty animation. It's wow. just absolutely the bottom of the barrel in terms of what may be a very deep barrel of a decade of children's animation. This is bad. This is a bad show. It is not good. Oh. And just by the sheer nostalgia that people have and the, the fact that I stumbled upon articles of people getting up in arms about the, the, the series that's on Netflix that just aired, I think, last month started yeah. going on Netflix. Um, I'm like, who cares? Like, there are people that are angry that Kevin Smith ruined the lore of He-Man. I'm like, fuck you. Go watch this show and... Think about what you've done. Tyler uh, was looking up, because he was he was looking up the Wikipedia while we were watching about it, because we were both bored. Um, and he was like, wait, was there a live action movie? And I said, oh, oh yeah. yeah, there was a live action movie with Dolph Lundgren and Richard Nixon, <laughs> uh, meaning Frank Langella. Um, <laughs> I was like, and what? Richard to Nixon. Me? Oh. <laughs> and then He-Man punched him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, they, they made it 
and it's it's one of those cheapo things where they just send yeah. He-Man to Earth so they don't have to build as many sets. Yeah. And he was looking at contemporaneous reviews, like people now watching uh, Masters of the Universe, uh, the Masters of the Universe movie. I don't remember what year it came out in. And he was he was saying that people said, oh, that this movie just doesn't really have a reason for existing. It doesn't have a, a raison d'etre. And I was like, have they watched this piece of shit? This thing makes no sense. It's just a bunch of stuff that's happening with a shitty animation. Like, at least they put Frank Langella in fucking makeup. Like, they made an effort. Ah, <laughs> uh, this is terrible. And I will fight anyone on the streets of Eternia <laughs> that says otherwise. This Thank is you a for bad... putting of Eternia so you didn't have to have a real fight with someone. <laughs> oh, that was a close call. <laughs> Uh, everything about it is just terrible. Like the backgrounds are just like bland, blase rocks and shit. Castle, Castle Grayskull is just a place where a bird woman lives. Like, why is it so important? The show doesn't care, but I'm supposed to. The characters are all boring. The animation is shitty. The stories are just like, if you took Marvel things and just crammed them into 20 minutes and just cut out anyone like making a joke or anything, it's just MacGuffin this, MacGuffin that, place that, done. And here's what we learned, and let me just show you three minutes of animation you just saw again. <laughs> this is a piece of shit. Your inner child is an idiot. <laughs> Hold for applause. Still holding. I feel like you removed my armored chest plate and ripped my heart out. Your battle and damage DJ. My battle damage. <laughs> I'm, I'm heart damage DJ. <laughs> so such an important part of my childhood and it was garbage switcheroo this is a terrible terrible show. i 100% agree with you the animation is so bad there were so there were there were moments when they were they were close to having something you know when those little things we pointed out of like skeletor starting to have uh, a personality and the sort of like the the story with Marlene, Queen Marlena was interesting. There were like, but I think those, me remembering those and me sort of highlighting those is more indicative of what you said of just like, you know, being in a desert and any sort of shit water you give us. <laughs> it's just like there's any, any, anything at some point is just like, oh, thank God. There's some character development or there's some joke or some interesting. It's also like... You know, I don't expect a children's show from the 80s to, like, make me have a laugh riot. But it's not, like, f it's not funny at all either. So It's, it's like, not fun. It's not f particularly fun. And the sort of fun characters, like, intended to be fun, it seems like. Like, Cringer. Now I'm just worried about his whole existence because they planted that seed of him not wanting to change into Battle Cat. And then Battlecat having a completely different personality. I'm really disturbed by that, Damon. <laughs> it's fucked up. It's fucked up. He doesn't have agency over being sent into battle? Like, that's insane. It's really messed up. Um, Yeah. I, this, you're a child's an idiot. Don't watch this. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward or to actually, seeing Actually, if you are a straight white man who's wa waxing rhapsodic about this, I want you to watch it. I want you to watch all 130 episodes, you jackass, and Listen. then tell me that Kevin Smith ruined it. Um, other other uh, white men grew up in the 80s. I'm with you. I thought this was great when I was five, and I had all the toys, but this is very bad. 
What do you think, everybody? Email us, your inner child is an idiot at gmail.com. You can text us or leave us a voicemail, 615-576-0525. You can find us on all the social medias and all that good stuff. And uh, I want to thank uh, my friend Ross Weaver for the use of his song, Top of Two, for our ad music. I want to thank Benny Goldstein for editing this episode. And I want to thank our current patrons, including... Beth Sermont. David Mort. Jonathan Day. Just Cuz. Scalphosaurus. Dr. Uh, Malcolm's uh, heaving uh, bosom. The supreme ruler of this podcast. <laughs> Other Tuggle. Tyler Richardson. Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, come on, he's not a lieutenant. Got, he's a yeah. captain. Uh, Karen Curd. Lindsay Nell. The Zesty. Jacob underscore Grimm. <laughs> uh, Particle Man. Demon's Australian exit. Dramatically placed hot dog. Larissa Maestro. T. Smith. Jeremy Powlin. Kevin from Cleveland. His Honor the Mayor. And of course, Dan McIntyre. Thank you all very, very, very much. We really appreciate your support. And if you want to become a patron like them, idiot.com. So I'll tell you what. I'll... I will be He-Man and you be Skeletor at the end of this episode. Uh, and you can read uh, the ingredients to the cheesecake that you're making. Ah, thank you, you boob. First off, you start out... never get away with this. <laughs> you start out with nine graham crackers and put them in a food processor and then get them into a fine sandy powder. 